Welcome to the Big Human Toolbox. I am Randy. And I am Todd. Today we'll be talking about strategies for big human, little human relationships. Come and join us at our dining room table as two professionals share insights, knowledge, tools, and strategies with you. Okay, welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Big Human Toolbox. Today we're going to be talking about safety needs. So <laughs> those safety needs are personal security, employment, resources, property, and health. Um, a quote that I would like to share is from Janine Leaf. She said, your children need to know they are loved and safe. Everything else is adult business. I really appreciate this quote because it reminds me of when I was a junior in high school. My dad... Um, he works for the oil field, and at that time, the oil field was going through um, a decline. And so his job may have been moved about two hours away was a worry. And I was really concerned because I was worried that I wouldn't be able to graduate from high school. But my dad said, you will graduate from the high school where I was going. And he said, I will make sure that you're safe and that you are okay and even if I have to drive extra, you will be able to go, still go to the high school where you want to go. And that just, like, I can't imagine, like, as an adult now, thinking back on that, the, the stress and the worry my parents were going through of how were they going to feed their kids, what were they going to do. But my dad always made sure that I felt safe. And I really do just appreciate that. So some of the strategies you can use, you can talk about um, safety from a young age, but remember to keep it age appropriate. Remember personal, emotional, and financial safety is important. Teach needs versus want and teach technology safety. Well, and the other, the other aspect of this that I think is very important is, and this ties into the emotional security, and that is, uh, or that ties into the personal security is emotional security. One of the things that's important for our kids to know is that they can be safe being them. That they can make a comment, that they can have a voice and feel safe about it. Because one of the things that I have found in the, in the times that I've worked with kids is that sometimes kids don't feel safe saying an opinion. Or how many times do our little humans feel safe to make a comment towards us, right? If they feel like we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing, or maybe we're being a little too gruff, or maybe we're not thinking of them, how comfortable do they feel with communicating that to us? That sense of emotional security is so important because sometimes in households, there's this myth that, that a true parent dyad is where a parent reigns and the kids simply obey. And, and, and I would suggest that the parents do, that it's more of a fluid thing. There are times when, you know, a kid can come up and say, hey, I think the house should be ran this way. And as long as it's safe and okay, we, then you do it. But then you switch up and have the parents more on top and, and devise a plan of what's more important. But this sense of emotional security, along with, physical and the things that Randy is talking about is so 
vital. That's why it is at the bottom of this Maslow's hierarchy, because without this sense of security, how do you feel safe to navigate anything? Right. And I think a great example of this also was my parents. I knew that what my mom and dad said was how it was. But I also knew if I came up with a good enough argument or a good enough reason, then my parents might change their mind. And so sometimes um, I felt like I use the phrase like I lawyered up. I would come up and I would have my arguments and I would have my reasons and I would state my things. And as long as it made sense to my parents, and as long as it went along with what they thought, then they would change their mind. And I think that this is kind of what Todd is talking about is that we can use those um, opportunities to help kids feel safe in sharing their opinions and their wants and their needs. Um, as a parent, of course, you get ultimate veto power, I like to say. But as long as they are willing to help make that compromise and help to bring part of that um, knowledge and try to help, I really think that that can be helpful. And, and I think one one more thing about it is also be very mindful of the double standards that can happen in a, in a parental dyad, right? And, and that is one of the, the philosophies that, that I believe in is that you should never ask your child to do something that you're not willing to do, right? And you have to be careful of if, as a, and as a parent, yes, there are things that because of my age and experience, I am able to do that my son can't do, right? So I can drive a car. Doesn't mean I let him drive a car until he has the age and experience. But at the same time, if, for example, let's say one night I wake up or one morning I wake up and I don't feel like having the typical breakfast, right? Cereal, eggs, whatever. And I decide to eat cold pizza or I decide to eat ice cream or whatever it might be. And then I go back the next day and my son does that. And then I yell at him for not eating healthy, right? We have to be careful of those double standards, right? As parents, we make mistakes. We have our own personal preferences. And so we have to be careful that we're not, that we don't have that double standard and, and be careful that it's not do as I say versus do as I do, right? So be very mindful in this concept of personal security, that you, you don't have these double standards or it's going to decrease the sense of respect and emotional security that, that, and freedom that a, that a person can have in being themselves. Right. Um, when teaching like internet safety and all those, we could go into those, <laughs> again, all these things we could take days on. But I think making sure that those, you know, they know not to share their real names, not to share where they live, not to share how old they are, um, make sure that they're using pseudonyms and that they understand those safety things. And as a parent, especially in this time, you need to worry about those digital safeties. One of the biggest things is be present with your child when using technology. Right. So you can put all the safeguards and you can set all the limits, 
but be present. Know what they are doing and even like or attempt to like what they like sometimes. Be present. Um, the next one in Maslow's hierarchy of needs is employment. This is from Ann Lander. She says, it is not what you do for your children, but what you have taught them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. Um, so some employment strategies is you can give your children age-appropriate chores. Help your children know what um, that their work has value. And then help children understand that the work they do has a standard to live up to. Um, I was very frustrated as a child when my mom came in and went like this on the um, bathroom counter and was like, you did not get all the Clorox. I do not use Clorox now to this day because it is very hard to clean up all the Clorox. But there was a standard and I learned as a youth to live up to the work that work standard and all of my siblings and I have really good work ethic and I think that has definitely helped with our employment abilities and being able to keep jobs and hold jobs well and the only thing I would say with the employment thing is it what does it really do it helps the kid they may not admit to it but it helps the kid feel valued and needed right I can't literally run this house without you. I need your help. And they'll complain and they'll bicker, but it really does help them not only in the future know how to work, but in the moment to know that they're needed. And that is a very critical part of this hierarchy of need. Right. In my classroom, I also help to have student jobs. And what is really nice is a that helps take care of things so i don't have to have it on my mind but b it helps those kids feel important um it's really funny i've had a student who did the date he wanted to be the date manager and he applied for that job and then he decided he didn't want to do it anymore so another student stepped in to do it and the kids um and he's not as diligent about doing it and the kids will come and they'll be like who didn't change the date? And then I go, well, um, it's so-and-so's job. And so they'll go over to that student and they'll help remind him and help hold him accountable in, in a nice way, not in a mean way. They'll be like, hey, you forgot to do the date today. And I think that, you know, that's a little tiny thing, but he feels important and he's like, oh, that's my responsibility. That's my job. And now he has more buy-in in that classroom because he knows I am needed. If I don't change the date, other kids notice and I am needed. And it helps to give him that sense of a of this is my job. And you know what? Without me lecturing him or telling him that he has to be more responsible, slowly over time, he has gained that responsibility because he doesn't want to let his classmates down. And so he has started to learn that work ethic just naturally by having that job. Well, no, and, and I think the, the principle, as because the whole goal of this is to tie all this together. And, and I think, Randy, you said it. It wasn't the, the, the actual work. It was the underlying principles that he felt. He felt needed. He felt important. And then because of that, what did it happen? He internalized it. He did it on his own. 
and then that will aid him. And that's what it's really about. These things that we're talking about are for the sole purpose of not having a clean house or a clean classroom, but to help the person feel safe, to feel important, to feel like they matter. And that and, and that builds what? Confidence, right? I feel something. I'm going to do it. It gives me a positive result. Okay, let's go after it. And I think that's what we, as we do this podcast, it's important that this is not about a bunch of skills or interventions to get to create obedience, but it's about how do you really help kids to feel emotionally safe and important? Yeah, because once they feel that safety and that importance, then they can have that self-actualization and they can start growing and becoming the little humans that they were meant to be. This is all about love and care. It's not about coercion or about getting them to do the things that you want. It's about I'm, I'm asking you to do these things because I care about you and I want you to be your best self. And in that, I need to be my best self so that we can be our best selves together. Um, the next one on Maslow's hierarchy of needs is security of resources and property. Um, this is by Abigail Van Buren. She said, if you want children to keep their feet on the ground, put some responsibility on their shoulders. Um, so some strategies that we can do is you can give children a place to keep their things, teach them needs versus wants again, help children, um, to self-advocate for what their needs are, and then help children understand that it is okay to give things away. Um, so with our resources and property, we can take care of our own things, but we can also share those with others. No, I, I don't, I think, I mean, this, it's a, it's a pretty basic thing, but what this also does, the underlying principle of this is it helps people be present, right? When you're playing with a toy and you are just getting so caught up in the adrenaline and you start, you know, beating it or you start, you just leave it somewhere, then yes, there's the, the, the contextual principle of, well, you know, this is money and you're not treating it well. But the real gift is the sense of being present. That kid being in the moment saying, oh, I shouldn't leave it there. A, B, C, D is going to happen, right? If I don't do it. That's the gift because in the future, instead of them just being so reactive and impulsive, they can stop and be able to say, oh, if I do this, a, B, C, D is going to happen. So remember, there's the contextual gift, which is you don't have to go buy new shoes or always buy new toys. But the emotional or the real primary gift is that they can become present with themselves and in their emotions and pay really pay attention to what they're doing in that moment. So with my son, he's very attached to his things. And he had a really hard time helping to give some of those away because he wants to keep everything, even trash, because that's how he is, that's how my son is. But I learned that as a mom, we have these bins that are marked specific things. So like I would 
dump out the bin on his bed or on the floor and I would say, okay, you get to keep 20 cars and then we will donate the rest. And so instead of thinking about, oh, I'm losing five of my cars, instead he got to think, which of my these cars are my favorite? Which ones do I want to keep? And so that really has helped him to be able to kind of think of it more as a what, which ones are most important to me versus which ones am I donating to other people? Well, and I think, I think too, I think Randy does a good job of, and this is important, we want to be careful. We don't want to always tell or micromanage everything. So Randy sets a boundary, right? This is how much stuff you can have based on logic, right? This is how much room you have. Therefore, you keep whatever you want, right? Make it for him. It's his responsibility because for him, his stuff is a place of safety. It helps him feel that he is safe and valued. And so you have to balance that, right? So it's not like always buying him stuff. That's why we have principles and boundaries, right? Um, that guide what we do, not our own whims or our own things in the moment. We set up principles and boundaries and that's what you do. You set up a principle about how they earn money, how they spend money, how they have stuff, and then they're responsible. Once you set that boundary, then they navigate the, the waters of what they buy for the most part, right? So I think it's a, it's a gift that way. Yeah, and definitely um, I know when we had foster children, giving them the opportunity to decide how they were going to spend their clothes money taught them a lot. And they took better care of their clothes because I know how much that's going to cost me to replace. And so it's those little things of that safety and security that they know next month I'll get some clothing money. So if I really want that really cool belt buckle, which had happened, then I can save my money to make sure that I'm using it in the most appropriate way. Um, health. Dr. Miriam Stoppard said, happy, health, happy healthy parents make happy healthy children. Um, there's another quote by Rod, and I do not know how to say this last name, Blavacek. It says, our children's health and well-being are dependent on our commitment to promote good food, promote food access and good eating habits at home, at school, and in the community. Um, some healthy strategies is assess your children's physical and mental health. Um, take small steps and set small goals to accomplish your health. Um, I know that I am not in my best physical health right now. And so if I try to take it, everything on, I'm not going to be very productive and I'm not going to be a great mom, <laughs> but I am taking small steps and that's all that we require with our children. So like we said, especially with food last episode, if you can't afford the best, like the highest quality, do what you can afford and where you can. If you can't have fresh fruits and vegetables all the time, use the canned and the frozen. Um, just take what small steps that you can. And then 
take your children to a well child check yearly um have them go to the doctor have them the doctor help check them out make sure that they're making those um growths and that you have those professionals who that's their job to help and then lead by example you go to the doctor yearly you eat the healthy foods like todd said if you're gonna eat ice cream and cold pizza for breakfast that's what your kids are going to want to eat for breakfast. Well, I think there's a couple different things with this. Number one is to the, the, the doctor piece of it. The thing that's been interesting is, again, it's about helping raise a kid who's pre- present with themselves. And so Michael, he's had a lot of ear problems in his life. And it's been wonderful that he's been able to recognize when he thinks he's getting sick and when he thinks he's been getting ear aches and and then that data helps us know what to do and in most cases when he has said this is what's happening for me you can trust it's it's real i mean there's sometimes he's trying to fake it but most of the time he's being honest and that's a connection i want michael or anyone i want any little human to have a stronger connection between themselves and their body. And in regards to physical health, I think this is such a huge topic and, and we won't go into it more today, but there's a fine battle, right? So last week you heard me say you don't necessarily want to force them to lick their plate clean, right? You want them to be able to trust their body. Right. So that's on one perspective. So you'll see me and you'll see Randy um, say to kids or to little humans, hey, you eat this. And then if you're not and then if you want to. Put the rest away. And then if when you want a snack or a dessert later, you have to finish this up and then then have the snack. And most of the time that works. Right now, you have the as as the caregiver have to be aware of. Are you giving them enough food? Small amount. You you have to be pay attention to that. The second thing is, however, if you've seen me on the opposite end, I will, I will, I will put my foot down by saying, you are eating this. Like I have to be conscious enough to know I'm not asking them to eat too much. I have to be conscious of of what I'm doing. But there are times like when it comes to certain things like vegetables and fruits and stuff, I am saying no. And we'll and we'll we'll do this all night if we need to, right? So there's that balance and it will take time, right? As Randy said, slowly step. But there is a balance. There's a time when you have to put your foot down and say, hey, you're valuable, you're important, therefore. You're going to eat some fruits and vegetables. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be who give us pushback and we can discuss those issues as they come. But on the flip side, then there's some flexibility in saying, hey, okay, your belly says you're full right now. Okay, we'll come back to it later. So there's not always a right or wrong. There's there's a, a flexibility that has to happen. There's a, you know, goes back and forth. And that's just something that you'll learn over time. And one thing that you need to understand is sometimes if you're working um, or working with students or have a child with special needs, 
sometimes their body is extra sensitive. So sometimes, you know, something as uncomfortable for us as we just have to go to the bathroom can feel to them like their stomach hurts really bad. And sometimes it's working with those doctors. I think that's why that yearly checkup is so important. And also just knowing your child or the students that you work with or whoever you work with. Because sometimes those little health things are little. Sometimes it's, well, do you have to go to the bathroom? And then they can go to the bathroom and be like, oh, my stomach doesn't hurt anymore. And it's just them understanding that, oh, that's just me. That's just my body telling me this. And so sometimes um, little humans can be oversensitive with their health. But that doesn't mean that we diminish it. It just means that we help to teach them what their body is telling them. So it may be you know, that we're teaching them that, you know, as you grow, sometimes you have growing pains and your legs will hurt or, or they may not feel the best. But you know what, when we go to the doctor in a couple of weeks, we will talk to them about that or, you know, doing those things to help them promote that health for themselves. And I, I think there's a really big parenting concept right here. Last, in the one of the, the podcasts, I made the comment, if it can't happen inside of you, it can't happen through you. And so many of our parents are just trying to survive. They're just trying to make it. And therefore, when they're home with their kids, they're often worried about their own social stuff. They're, all, they're worried about their own, the bills, how they're going to, you know, just get through the night. And that's challenging, and hopefully we can we can help resolve some of that. But it's so important that as a parent, you are really present with your child, because you have to know when you're as much as you can. You want to be so present that you can kind of know when your little human is just trying to get out of something so he can go play, or if he's really full. You really have to be able, and the word is called attunement. Um, it's, a, it's an attachment term called attunement, right? It happens a lot with babies, right? Uh, a mother who is a biological mother of a child gets so attuned to that baby's needs that she can, she can pinpoint which cry is for food, which cry is for um, I'm scared, or which cries for, you know, I have to go to the bathroom or I've gone to the bathroom where a stranger can come in and just all the, the, the stranger hears is cry so that you'll have, you know, you'll have the stranger try all five things, rocking, feeding, changing the diaper. But that attunement, that ability to know your kid, to help them navigate this world is so important because there's, a, there's a, again, that balance. There's a level of trust you want to give your kid of when their belly's full or whatever, but on the same token, you kind of have to know them well enough to say, oh, I think you're kidding me. And then you, you push them. And that's a fine, fine balance. And that means as a parent, you have to really be okay with yourself because so much our issues guide what we do. And so this ability to be attunement and this ability to be okay within ourselves 
are some guiding principles that you will see in every podcast that we talk about. And you are your child's best advocate for pushing them and for holding them back. And so that's what this is about. It's about love and care and support. And so we just want you to figure out what is the best next step for our family to be able to reach some of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, to be able to help our family grow. And we wish you great luck in that journey. Thank you for taking time to build your toolbox today. If you enjoyed today, please like, subscribe, and think about leaving a rating and review. We also love comments. If you know of someone who could use the information you learned today, please share. We appreciate your time and support. Please follow us on social media. The links are found in the show notes below. Also remember to share your funnies with us. I can't wait to hear your funny stories. See See you you next time time on on the the Big Big Human Human Toolbox. Toolbox.